Thank you for downloading our audio tour. If you really want the complete experience of this tour, you should check out pictures, videos, and the other extras you can find in our free app. Download our free easy.travel app for iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and Google Glass now. Or visit easy.travel for more information. We'll start today halfway along the famous pedestrianised Varchi Street, Pest's best-known thoroughfare. But instead of restaurants, bars and strip clubs at the southern end of Varchi Street, we're heading about halfway along, between Parisi Street and Regiposta Street, and looking up at some fine Art Nouveau buildings, secession architecture as it's known in Hungary and Austria. Well, we've been walking along Varchi Street pedestrianised great length of it and there's still quite a part of it we haven't seen yet. You've stopped me at a very imposing building up there with a lot of blue tiles. There are little bits of it that are almost gothic because they appear to be like saints in niches with, with little roofs over. Tell me all about what I'm seeing there. Actually these are not saints but these are the owners, the original owners of the house. And uh, I stopped you here because it is not only this very house that is interesting, but the next one, uh, right by side, because both of them reflect the era of Art Nouveau, or this one is rather Art Deco with all these uh, simplified shapes of lion heads. Can you see them? All the bulbs, the light bulbs? Oh, the light fittings, yes, just above the first floor shop level. Yes, very imposing, big... I suppose they're probably, are they iron or are they bronze? They look fantastic. And then higher up, uh, these very, very powerful figures like Atlas holding up the world. Six of those holding up the next floor above. Absolutely. Um, so this architectural style reminds us the late, the late decade of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century and this blue house has to be mentioned because the architect is Mr. Lechner and Lechner is the one the name as it is in Gaudi in Spain or what is Horta for the Belgians and Mr. Lechner he represented Hungarian Art Nouveau uh, at its best way and actually he was the one to rediscover Hungarian motifs because it was important that Art Nouveau was different in every country and it's interesting to see that the first floor was originally designed to be a shop uh, you can see the huge windows. The second floor, or the ground floor, let's say this is the f uh, for the shop. The first floor, it's already shorter, but still it's all covered. It's a big window still, big, yeah. Yes, and it was used as office. Of course, it was for the business. And from that, you can see there is a cut, and the upper part is already shorter uh, and smaller windows. They were used as apartments because this was a better way to heat those buildings so this was how they planned it to be uh, because industry and living in the city at the same time was important very advanced thinking because if you go back centuries clearly it was just a, a palace where somebody lived from top to bottom but here you've got three big floors of accommodation but as you say a floor of offices and then on the ground floor with some very ornate beautiful stonework uh, a level of shops there and uh, maybe we want to help people identify Douglas I think I'm seeing is that the name I'm seeing on the ground floor of that shop and then L'Occitane the uh, 
the French cosmetics people are on the ground floor of the Art Deco building that we've been talking about. So now we just need to walk on along Varchi Street in the same direction and turn first right into Reggie Poster Street. It's a narrower little street. We've just turned off Varchi Street for a moment and the little street of shops we're in all have beautiful individual handmade signs outside. Over there is a very arty kind of, of a peacock and then there's a hat and gloves shop here with a top hat and a pair of gloves being shown. And then I think a wine shop here because, yes, two men are carrying a vast, great bunch of grapes between them. And this one, and there's a beautiful little shop, this. It's Bormo Art. And it's one of those shops that does the most exquisite little notebooks uh, with beautiful bindings and covers and diaries and the finest wrapping paper you could find. And above their door is a wood and glass case three-dimensional, real sort of like a little box and it's got leather-bound small books inside it. What a lovely little street. We've stopped in a square now, Esther and I can see three particularly interesting buildings here. One which is sort of on the boundaries of Deco and Nouveau and then another one over here which is definitely Deco in its lower floors. With the, It looks very much like uh, Charles Rennie Mackintosh's Scottish motifs of, of that sort of uh, Art Nouveau feel. But the one in the middle, one, two, three, four, five floors, and then a gigantic and fabulous mosaic. Yes, and I think this is the most spectacular one. This is the Turok Bank. Turok means... Turkish in Hungarian but since it was the name of the owner so please let's use it on the original way it make makes it so special because if you look at the building you can see that even glass is curved and that was a very high technology back that time we are talking about the first decade of the 20th century that they could even uh, they used steel of course and the uh, curved uh, windows of course it reflects the same function as we have just visited the Lechner house in Vati street that it was used for uh, office build, so it was used as an office, and the upper parts were used as uh, by artists. So it was important for them to let as much light in as possible. And, and then and on the on the mosaic, I'm looking at it now, and I can see uh, what I presume is uh, a Hungarian king. I hope it is on a, on a horse to the left, uh, and obviously there's been a, a, a victorious battle. I imagine what 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 is and, and two huge heads beneath these two pretty pretty little windows what 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 is the actual theme of the mosaic the mosaic itself is called hungaria and if you just connect it with hungary of course this is about the woman figure in the middle uh, is she herself is hungaria as a female figure and as you spotted that there are uh, men on horses they are actually not kings they are uh, aristocrats who led some revolutions unfortunately unsuccessful ones but still Rakoti has to be mentioned he's uh, on the left side and there is probably you have heard about Kossuth he was a great politician of the 19th century and on the right side of the picture you can even see the Hungarian flags so the right white and uh, green flag so this is about the glory the victory of the Hungarian nation
we've come into the Jewish quarter of Budapest now, and we've come in not to the great synagogue that so many tourists go to, but Esther has brought me to a very, very interesting smaller building, but quite remarkably decorated inside. And this is the Orthodox group of Jews who had this synagogue. It was destroyed, of course, during World War II, but it's been gloriously restored now. Yes, and uh, the reason for it that uh, we still have vivid Jewish community in Budapest. In the history, you can follow that Jews usually settled down in cities, so they were not farmer type of people, but their um, occupation usually led them to cities. So that's why those who survived the liberation of Budapest ghetto could uh, survive and could could carry on their because heritage. it was. It was the rural Jewish population of Hungary that was deported to the concentration camps, but 80,000 or so that were in the ghetto in the middle of Budapest actually survived the war and, I have no doubt, been responsible for rebuilding this building. And the decor, what I would call uh, at, at the sort of end of the building that everybody faces to pray, the stars of David and the menorah candlesticks up there, It's again, it's it's a sort of... Art Deco of, of, of a very sort of bright and colourful kind. Yes, and this very light blue, of course, reminds us uh, the flag of Israel. So that is why it is uh, reflected here. And if you look up, uh, you can see almost like the sky. So it's really open up to God because this is, uh, you know, it's just a place for the Jews to come together to make their prayers. So because you see, I'm looking up there, I can see... Uh, what are in effect windows, but they're sort of covered in, in designs and patterns like a stained glass window, but circular and really very unusual. While we're in the synagogue, and let's talk a little bit about the wider neighborhood here, because there are three synagogues you were telling me all together, including the, the, the big one, and a very lively social area. I mean, young people these days, presumably not all Jewish by any stretch of the imagination, but, but a very lively part of the city. Yes, it's an interesting story because this is very close to the very city centre we have been to. Uh, so it's close to the city centre, but yet there are not those palaces we have seen so far. So there are regular houses and many houses were just simply left behind and they were kind of abandoned. Uh, and People living here, the locals, didn't want them to, to be turned into a modern building with steel and glass. So they want to protect them. And this is why a very interesting phenomena called Ruin Bar came into existence, which means that you have, just if you look at the building, you will see an average building in not a good condition. But if you enter, you will find a very cozy and very uh, strange and modern bar inside with no two identical chairs but it's a good place to hang out uh, to just really relax because you because it's not trendy but it's a way that you can simply feel good and uh, there are quite numerous the most famous is Simpla Kert in Kozinci Street, the same street where we are at the moment, just a bit further on. Uh, so I think if you don't want to get the imp imperial 
uh, spirit of Budapest and you don't go to Zerbo or you don't go to Lotz Cafe, but you want to go... Somewhere funky and local. Funky and local. You have to come here, despite the fact that uh, local means that there are a lot of tourists, but they come here because they really want to get, get this very true and innocent uh, local atmosphere. Well, we've walked on down the road and come to a bar and restaurant called Spinoza after the Jewish philosopher from many uh, hundreds of years back. And it also does klezmer music, the classical Jewish music, in the evenings at the end of the week. And we've turned past a, a couple of kosher grocery shops into a very long passageway that leads through a whole area of bars right through the middle of the city. This one's a little bit strong. They're letting us know they're here, aren't they? But apparently it's great for... Uh, there's a, a weekend market with a lot of food and people partying. But this is a real party area, I can tell, because it's only lunchtime at the moment, but this place must be truly buzzing in the evenings. And then coming out through what must be the fifth or the sixth of these separate courtyards, all with four or five-storey buildings built above and you come out to two wine bars that are highly regarded. One is called Divino and the other called Color. And this is the district where Mark Zuckerberg apparently hung out when he was in Budapest, the man who invented Facebook or maybe it was those twins, maybe it wasn't Mark Zuckerberg at all, but the man who claims he invented Facebook. A bit more street food here now and there is, in essence, there is a barbecue pit and rotisserieing on that is what is called... Kurtoskolács. And translates as... Chimney cake. Chimney cake. So it's a, a cylinder, a hollow cylinder of a sort of pastry that is wrapped around a wooden cylinder. And the wooden cylinder has to be, what are we saying, 10 inches, nearly a foot long. And it comes out hollow, so it's all brown and cooked. And then he dips it. I can smell cinnamon, can't I? Yeah. What else? Vanilla, vanilla nuts. Oh, walnut, vanilla, walnut, cinnamon, coconut, cocoa, and toasted almonds. I think walnut and is the best one. Walnut's the best. Okay. Yes. We've just been eating something else, though, now you were telling me about. A little chocolate bar, but with something quite unusual inside it. Yes, Hungarians, we do love cottage cheese in all of its forms. So it can be either sweet or salty. And this one, what I gave you, is a cottage cheese bar covered with chocolate. That's most unusual. But it tasted lovely. It was very nice. It wasn't too sweet inside. The chocolate clearly was, was as, as chocolatey as chocolate always is. But, but the, the contents of it had sort of almost a little tang about them. It was rather nice. And you can get it in as even a, a, a less sweet version again. Actually, this is the least... This is the least sweet. Yes, because this is, there is dark chocolate around. Please, if you want to try it, just take the plain one. Don't get the filled ones. And they're called? It looks like, to me, looked like potyosh, but... Yes, yes, yes. Potyosh? Potyosh. Potyosh. Well, we're travelling on the metro at the minute, underground trains, uh, and obviously you've got a number of lines of, of metro, but trams, trolleybuses, buses, taxis... Taxis aren't at all expensive, but t tell me about the main public transport. Actually, we have three metro lines, and uh, they are quite handy because one of them goes to the other side, so you can also get to Buda with it, but we are very proud because the fourth metro line is being built, and I hope that soon uh, we can use it. 
but there is one I think the most important line is the tram the tram four and six they go around in the city and actually they are the busiest lines and I think it also has to be mentioned two more things three one is that bikes so more and more bike routes are being built so it's really nice I also rode my bike here to meet you today the second one is the Budapest public transport uses little um, boats uh, on River Danube, which is not as frequent as in uh, Venice, for example, but you know they want to introduce it. And the third one, which is mostly for tourists, is this boat bus, these ducks that. Oh, know. yes, that, that goes along on the streets on wheels and then goes down into the water. Exactly, exactly, but uh, it's a kind of uh, touristic uh, uh, attraction. And then as far as the metro is concerned, it seemed to me, and I've only been here 24 hours, that if you wanted to move up and down parallel to the river on the Pest side, then you've got the blue route of metro. And if you want to cross from the Pest side to go round the back of the castle and over that side, uh, the red route will take you there. But you still have to climb on the other side. So to get up to the castle, you might be better off taking a bus. Yes, exactly. There is a little bus which takes you up uh, to the castle. If you are on Pest side, you will get to the main uh, public transport centre that is Dark Square. And from there you can take uh, number 16. But, you know, numbers may change. So just know that there is a bus going up to the castle. The parliament was built between 1885 to 1904, a corn design of Imre Steindl. He uses some German, French, Gothic, Renaissance, and Baroque style. This very huge building covers an area of more than 18,000 square meters. Perhaps you could imagine if we would have 55-story apartment building, we could put this 50 building in this one building. The length of this building is 268 meters. The width of this building is 123 meters. The dome shape in the middle outside is 96 meters. We have two very important dates in the Hungarian history. The first date, that was the migration time of the seven leaders of the seven Hungarian tribes, 896. And the other important day, that was our South Nears anniversary of the conquest of the Hungarian by the Hungarian 1896. The parliament has altogether 27 gates. The main entrance is decorated outside by two huge lion statues. You can find in this building, for example, 29 staircases, 10 inside courtyards, 13 elevators, 691 rooms. The corridors are 20 kilometers long, and one has to hover every day 3.5 kilometers red carpet. And we're coming in under this incredible dome, and there are two soldiers there. We are just in the dome hall in the middle of the building. The dome shape is decorated by 16 statues. 
At the very beginning, I would like to show the biggest chandelier of this building. We have in this chandelier altogether 205 light bulbs. But in the middle, I would like to show the Hungarian Holy Crown. The Hungarian Holy Crown for us, for our country, for the laws, that's the most important symbol. Every Hungarian king was crowned by the Hungarian Holy Crown between the beginning of the 11th century till the beginning of the 20th century. The Hungarian Holy Crown has two parts, the lower, the Greek, and the upper, the Latin part, because we found some Greek and Latin letters in both parts of the Hungarian Holy Crown. The lower part is decorated by the portraits of Byzantine emperors. On the upper part in the middle, you can see the portrait of Jesus Christ and the portrait of eight apostles. On the top, I would like to show a cross, but at the same time, I would like to ask you, please don't ask me, why doesn't stay the cross vertical on the Hungarian Holy Crown? Nobody knows it, even the historians. We have about 40 books about this one topic. But we are sure about that fact that the Hungarian Holy Crown was lost in the middle of the 13th century. It was stolen in the middle of the 14th century. The Hungarian Holy Crown was taken during the Second World War from Hungary to Austria, later into the United States to Fort Knox, and we received it back 1978. And since 1st of January 2000, you can see the Hungarian Holy Crown in the Parliament. On the left, I would like to show the scepter. The rock or mountain crystal part is the third biggest one in the whole world. That was made in Egypt in the 10th century and is decorated by three lion statues. On the other side is the orb with the double cross and with the coat of arm of the Anjou family. That's why we are sure about that fact that was made in the 14th century because the Anjous, they ruled at that time. And this dome really is absolutely remarkable. It's fabulously tall. The amount of gilding going on up here. She was saying earlier on the guide that there are more than 40 kilos of gold leaf in this building. But that towering up in there with all these kings and Habsburg emperors around the building, it's quite, quite impressive. But it's definitely got a feeling sort of quite similar to the Palace of Westminster in London and the architect Steindl went to London before he came here and improved on what he saw. Diagonally across to the right from the front of the Parliament in a square with trees is a strange little monument. It's a footbridge, small footbridge made of bronze and on the top of it is there's a man and he's standing wearing a trilby hat and a, an overcoat and he's looking over towards the parliament building with I don't know with regret with perhaps some pride because it's Imri Naj who was the prime minister the leader of Hungary under the Russians who had been a servant of the communist regime and then when 1956 came along and the uprising, the revolution began he switched sides and became a supporter of the people, it cost him his life eventually and in fact in this square lots of people were hanged eventually by the Russians after the uprising was over but he stands there and somebody's draped him with a red, white and green piece of cord around his neck the national colours of Hungary and whether it's regretted having been a communist or it's 
pride now that he's given the communists the uh, push. I'm not in a position to say. Lots of people walk over the top of it. The bronze is very well worn away by people's feet. But it's only 10 metres from one end of the bridge to another and over what could be a little pond, but it's actually dry at the moment. But he's looking there straight. Is he looking straight at the Parliament? He's looking pretty much in, in that direction, yes. I'm looking back now from the banks of the Danube on the Pest side and right by the Chain Bridge. And I'm looking inland and I can see what's known as Gresham Palace. And I thought, Gresham, how, how on earth is this British name part of... Hungary's history and architecture come to that because this building I'm looking at is exquisite because the afternoon sun is shining on lots of gilded sections of the building. Uh, another brilliant Art Nouveau building too uh, and reflecting back brilliantly at this time of the afternoon. But I've looked in the guidebook in my Dorling Kindersley Eyewitness Guide and it says the Secession Gresham Palace aroused both controversy and praise from the moment it was built. It was one of Budapest's most distinctive pieces of architecture. And this is the answer to my question. It was commissioned by the London-based Gresham Life Assurance Company from Sigmund Kvitner and the brothers Josef and Laszlo Vago and completed in 1907. So the Gresham Life building is sitting here proudly in the very, very top of it, right up towards the high-pitched dark, almost black slate roof is a bust set in a niche in the very centre of the building of Sir Thomas Gresham of course a great, I think uh, Elizabethan period trader I'm looking back now at the guidebook and it says, Sir Thomas Gresham was the founder of the Royal Exchange in London and of Gresham's Law, which was that bad money drives out good well he could have applied that to the financial collapse globally in 2000 Five, six, seven, eight, couldn't he around there? Dear, oh dear. It says on the ground floor of the palace there's a T-shaped arcade covered by a multicoloured glazed roof. The entrance to the arcade is marked by a beautiful iron gate, a wrought iron gate with peacock motifs. It's still the original gate today and it's widely regarded as one of the most splendid examples of design from the secession era. Inside the building, the second floor of the Kusuth stairway has a stained glass window by Miksa Roth featuring a portrait of Laos Kossuth. In 2004, the palace reopened as a Four Seasons Hotel, the second in Central Europe and the first in Hungary. Visitors can wander in and admire its many splendours. I think I'll go and do that very thing. And wandering along still, along the Danube banks, I can see two buildings that are not anything like as lovely as Gresham Palace. One of them is a Sofitel, and it's square and modern and ugly. And there's an Intercontinental Hotel, which is slightly less square, but a little bit on the modern brutal side. But let's face it, if you're in the Sofitel or in the Intercontinental, you're going to get a damn good view of the River Danube. Well, I've come for a cruise on the Danube this evening with the Legenda Company. They've got several boats. You can do dinner cruises or evening music cruises or daytime cruises with 30 different languages of commentary that, to tell you exactly where you are. 
I'll have a little listen to some of the commentary in a minute, but I'm very inclined just to sit here and look out of the window and rest a little bit after a brilliant day. And I know I can see lots of spires along here. One is a Calvinist church, the St. Francis Church, the St. Anna's Church. And I'm not terribly bothered, really, which is which. And on the other side is the amazing and truly fabulous white stone and dark red-roofed parliament building. But it's really just a pleasure to have a glass of wine or beer, whatever you choose, with your cruise. But um, maybe I'll switch on the commentary a little bit later. I'll just enjoy the pleasure of this for the moment. At the top of the hill stands the Statue of Liberty, built two years after World War II. The lady holding a palm branch was intended to commemorate liberation from Nazi occupation. At her feet there used to stand the chilling statue of a Soviet soldier holding a weapon. However, the wind of change swept his statue beyond the city walls into the Memento Park. Brandishing a cross, St. Gelliot guards the hill that bears his name. Gelliot left the church of San Giorgio in Venice for the Holy Land, but God disposed otherwise. A shipwreck guided his steps to Hungary, where he was of assistance to King St. Stephen, who founded the Hungarian state and established Christianity. The hill is the site of his martyrdom. After many vicissitudes, his ashes were returned to his place of departure. His holy remains are in the church of San Giorgio in Venice. My splendid castle standing guard above the great river shared the fate of the city. War and civil war destroyed it, but it was rebuilt time and time again. Hungarian kings resided in it since the 13th century. I best remember King Matthias the Great, the 15th century Renaissance ruler. He not only brought his bride, Beatrix of Aragon, from Italy, but also had a feeling for the new spirit of humanism. It was a time when public opinion held that all Europe has three pearls, Venice on the water, Buda on the hill, Florence on the plain. After Matthias, there came 150 years of Turkish rule. 1686 was the year of liberation, and many nations in Europe shed the blood of their sons. Maria Theresia and Franz Josef built a new palace here, which in the Second World War sustained damage beyond any of its predecessors. Today, it stands intact once again, having survived 31 sieges in its history. Once a royal residence, today it houses the National Gallery and a museum displaying the history of the city. Here is the chain bridge. Count Istvan Széchenyi, whom we call the greatest Hungarian, had to wait for a whole week to cross the river when he wanted to attend his father's funeral. Perhaps that is why he so much wanted the bridge to be constructed. Eventually, the bridge was built. Since 1849, Buda and I have been interconnected. Széchenyi's statue stands guard between the chain bridge and the Academy of Sciences, which he also founded. The bridge was designed by an Englishman and implemented by a Scotsman. The tunnel, an elegant continuation of the bridge, is the work of Adam Clark, a Scotsman turned citizen of Buda. Next to it is the funicular railway, the first in the world to be built in the centre of a town, and it glides up to the castle. Now look at the spire of the splendid Matthias Church reaching up to the sky. Construction here was started in the 13th century by one of the most renowned French masters of the time. Kings were crowned and took the oath here. For 150 years, Murzins led the call to prayer to Allah from its spire. 
At the turn of the century, the Gothic church was restored in an oriental variant of Art Nouveau. So I've left out what was for me one of the most interesting stops in Budapest. It's the massive and elegant Central Market. Of course, it's hard to know when to visit it, but I suppose you might get in there late one morning for a bit of lunch in the upstairs cafes and restaurants. Anyway, I've made it stop number 11 on your map. Just try and get there whenever it fits in. It really is worth it. Further on down the Pesh side of the Danube, of course, and it's close to the Green Bridge. Well, I'm in the foyer of the Astoria Hotel, part of the Danubius group who have hotels all over the city, basically. And when I came in last night to check in, I thought, oh, what a charming old hotel, because there's a very strong period feel in the public rooms. Then I went to my bedroom, and goodness gracious, it was the same kind of period feel, except in the bathroom, everything was extremely modern and cool, and the mirrors and the lighting. So really then, Laszlo, tell me a bit about the history, because... It, this is no accident that it still looks like 1914 in here. It's on purpose. First, it was a butcher and a, and a pub. And uh, in the beginning of the 20th century, Hungarian who worked formerly in New York, the Astoria New York, the Waldorf Astoria. The Waldorf Astoria, Astoria yes. yeah, he worked there. Named Geller. Uh, he has come together with uh, a rich family, the Ungers, and they founded this hotel. And the name Astoria came from the New York Astoria, and Geller, Mr. Geller, became the first general manager of the hotel. And you have refurbished the whole hotel recently, but you have chosen very cleverly to stay in the year 1914. This is still the style you choose. And in your mirrors, restaurant, uh, and here in the lobby and the public rooms, and even the bedrooms are very much that feeling of 1914. Yes, uh, the hotel has been uh, refurbished and uh, reconstructed, rebuilt seven years ago, and it was a total uh, reconstruction. We kept the original architecture style in the lobby and in the restaurant, and now we are exactly 100 years old. The name of the restaurant became now, we, we have changed the, rest, the name of the restaurant to Café Astoria. So that is the official name now. And you've got a history of the hotel on the walls here, talking about the Golden Age in the 1930s here, with all the beautiful Sèvres china vases that were in the lobby. And you've got a glass case here with some beautiful pieces in it, a huge vase there, and one of the big silver trays with Astoria on it that food would have been served on. But more recently then, history, you've been used for quite a little bit of, of locations for films. Films have been shooted here, and uh, Hungarian films, and they are very popular. The, the title is The Minister. If we are talking about films, have you heard about the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel? We yes, just, that's the new one yeah, that's so out. Then, then we we expecting a lot of tourists after that. To film. Come and see yeah. from that, absolutely. Exactly. And I'm looking at here, and it says film producers and directors take advantage of the excellent facilities, the period feel of it all. And it says one of the films made here was about the life of Josephine Baker, the black American dancer. Jeremy Irons, the actor, has been here filming. Annette Benning, she's famous. They were in the hotel, and you've had all sorts of famous guests. Philip Glass, Philip Glass, very famous composer there. Peter Greenway, film director. Susanna York, the actress. Larry Hagman, who used to be in 
Dallas, so a lot of, of, of famous guests and a lot of films made here. We are very centrally located and uh, we were at uh, the walls of the former Budapest and the city came, became bigger and bigger, then the walls have been destroyed and the big houses have been built. We've come into the central market hall now and I've been into a few markets around the world and raved about them but I have never seen such a fabulous and big market space as this. A lot of wrought iron, a lot of steel but it, it's essentially though still has the feel of Art Nouveau about it. Absolutely, yes. It was important that the, in the last decades of the 19th century to make it more human, to make buildings, uh, social buildings, more airy, more spaces so people can come in and they have more connection all, even in the city. Outside it, looking up at the fantastic ceramic tile roof in these wonderful strong emerald green and a strong mustardy yellow and some bits of red as well this tall tall very steeply pitched tile roof is fantastic and the, the sheer dimensions of this 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 must be surely must be 100 meters long or so six big big separate bays uh, and then we've got this upper deck here as well this this really is very very impressive you've stopped me at uh, what looks to me like a sort of creperie, like a pancake store. Yes, this is a pancake store, but there is something on the side I would really like to point, and this is flatbread. And this is uh, salty, and they fry it in oil, and it makes a wonderful combination with garlic. And if you have just, uh, what about the size? So it's like the size of a plate. And if you have it with garlic sauce, or especially sour cream and cheese, you have a full snack. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and then they've got these sort of these, these sort of chubby loaves here, one covered in cinnamon, one covered in peach jam. Well, the riches continue, because we've come yet again maybe another 30 metres along. And now this stall here is full of... Let me count these trays. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18 trays of the most succulent, delicious, tempting foods. What are we getting here? Because this is sort of more stews and things. Actually, this is the beautiful presentation of Hungarian cuisine. So, and this is not only for tourists. This is this is for the local people. This is what we cook usually. So, what you can see that the main color is what is red. Why? Paprika. Very good. So here you can. <laughs> I'm learning. See. Yes, absolutely. Very good. So paprika is uh, is a must, and then you have pork or chicken, beef as well. But usually beef is used for stews. Uh, chicken and uh, pork is used for the gouache, and please pronounce it this way. Yeah. Gouillage. Gouillage. No L in it. Gouillage. Yes, there's a oh, yeah. It's a sound yeah. Gouillage. Oh, okay. uh, this is a soup. And what makes it special that it's a very rich soup. Usually it is, uh, they use beef and they use carrots, potato. And this is what makes it so rich that if you have one bowl of gouillage soup, it's enough for the whole lunch or uh, an evening or for a supper. Budapest has thousands of rated restaurants all the different cuisines are there from mexican italian french chinese thai but i think coming here simply into the market sitting on one of these simple little tables or even standing here and eating some of this food would be a very very good way of enjoying hungarian cuisine
Esther's helping me do a little bit of shopping here with the different salamis. And let me have a taste of that. Thank you. Oh, I like that. It tastes more smoked and it's more paprika. Yeah. So one one of 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 that. Lovely. Thank you very much. This is a beautiful store.